0: Thank you very much. We're pleased to have with us uh, Senator David Bitter, our colleague from Louisiana.
1: Please proceed. Thank you, Mr. Chairman and Mr. Vice Chairman. Thank you for the hearing. I'm really pleased to be here today to express my concerns about the proliferation of, in particular, off-reservation Indian casino gambling. It's an issue that directly affects my home state of Louisiana, uh, but it's also clearly a national issue as well, as both of you have pointed out. Thank you for inviting me to testify. You know, in 1988, when Congress passed IGRA, gambling on Indian reservations was a very small industry. At the time, virtually no one could foresee the future growth of Class three casino-style gambling or that it would become an $18 billion a year industry, 400 casinos in 30 states Now, that in and of itself doesn't mean there are problems with the law, but I do think there are problems with the law that are being unfairly exploited, and and you all have alluded to some of those possibilities. Uh, My testimony will mention several that my legislation addresses, but the biggest concern is, I believe, the need to discourage the recent trend known as forum shopping or reservation shopping by Indian tribes. That's the troubling practice on the part of a growing number of tribes of selecting land to which the tribes have little or no connection for the sole purpose of building casinos at the most economically advantageous location. As widely reported in the press, various tribes are now attempting to claim rights that would allow them to engage in gambling operations in states where they have no reservation or trust land status. Tribes making such claims include landless tribes, as well as tribes with an existing reservation, and affected states include many, many, including California, Illinois, Ohio, Colorado, Oregon, New York, New Mexico, and Louisiana. A quick quick summary of some of these developments in California. By one account, as many as 40 tribes are pursuing off-reservation gambling proposals there alone, California's a state which is already home to approximately 55 Indian casinos. I commend the members of this committee for recently approving by a bipartisan 10 to 3 vote a measure authored by our colleague Senator Dianne Feinstein which would make it more difficult for one California tribe to proceed with an off-reservation casino. Ohio, although Ohio has no federally recognized Indian tribes, The eastern Shawnee tribe of Oklahoma is trying to open casinos in multiple Ohio locations. The tribe is pushing its casino proposals with help from non-Indian investors against the wishes of many folks in Ohio. The tribe has sued the state to seek reparations for tribal lands in Ohio that were taken 170 years ago. New York, another example of possible forum shopping is there, where several out-of-state tribes and additional in-state tribes have attempted to negotiate for casinos in the Catskill areas to settle land claims. And of course, Louisiana, my home state, is yet another example where uh, a tribe has been engaged in forum shopping, and that's the Gina Band of Choctaws, who you'll hear directly from later today. The Gina Band attempted to take land into trust for gambling purposes in an area of my state that is outside its traditional service area. I think the history of uh, the GINA ban's action is instructive, and I just use it as an example. There are plenty of examples, but this is an example I'm very familiar with. Uh, The GINA ban has been rejected in its pursuit of land for a casino in two counties in Mississippi, made a number of applications for land across Louisiana, may have considered land in Texas as well, I understand. I'm concerned about this forum shopping. Ginoban first received federal recognition in 1995, and after receiving that recognition, the tribe courted the Rapides Parish Police Jury in July 1996. That's basically the county government, with promises to pay them up to 6% of the net profits made off the proposed casino. However, then Louisiana Governor Mike Foster opposed these attempts and refused to negotiate a compact. Ban actually filed a lawsuit, in an attempt to force the governor to negotiate, but the judge threw up the lawsuit in December 1996. The band then courted the Natchitoches Parish police jury in 1998, offering them 50% of its, quote, plan local monetary contributions, close quote. That was unsuccessful. Then they reached out to Mississippi, actually, and were rejected by two counties, There in 2001, Green and Tishomingo, Mississippi's governor stated he would refuse another Indian casino in Mississippi. So the GINA looked back to Louisiana and in October 2001 on hearing that the GINA might be looking to their parish, the Sabine Parish police jury, passed a resolution declaring their opposition to a casino. After that, the GINA band and former Governor Foster then quietly negotiated a compact centered on the town of Vinton in southwest Louisiana and sent it to the Bureau of Indian Affairs for approval in January 2002. There was a real outcry about that, particularly in the local area. Uh, Several leaders joined in that outcry, including myself, Congressman Jim McCurry, then Congressman Chris John, Senator Mary Landrieu, as well as 30 other members of the U.S. Congress. And the BIA rejected that proposed compact on March 7th. 2002. The GINA ban has argued that it has the ability to force a state into agreeing to a gambling compact, circumventing the state process designed by federal law, and instead working directly with the U.S. Department of Interior. The current governor of Louisiana opposes the expansion of casino gambling in our state, and even the suggestion that the federal government would ever force states to accept casinos they oppose is very troubling, and that's another distinct issue. I address in my bill. Uh, in June, I joined my colleague, Senator George Voinovich, who's here as well, and other members of the Senate in offering a floor amendment to ensure that governors of affected states will have input when decisions are being made to take land into trust on behalf of Indian tribes for a gambling purpose. This amendment was endorsed by the National Governors Association, but we didn't call for a vote on the Voinovich Amendment to, due to jurisdictional concerns of this amendment of this committee. That amendment actually complements a bill I introduced in June, and I want to spend just a few minutes outlining that bill. It's titled the Common Sense Indian Gambling Reform Act of 2005, S-1260, and it's a companion measure nearly identical to a House measure by Congressman Mike Rogers of Michigan, H.R. 2353. Our legislation does not specifically target any particular tribes. Rather, it proposes seven reasonable reforms, which I've alluded to, to current federal law related to Indian gambling. First, economic impact study requirement. The bill we introduced would require that that sort of study be conducted in an area within a 60-mile radius of a proposed new Indian casino. The rationale for acquiring such a study would be to ensure that we fully understand the effect on all surrounding communities. Second, more local input. The bill we introduced would eliminate several existing exceptions to the existing ban on Indian casino gambling under IGRA. Striking these exceptions would simply ensure that state and local input is garnered and honored. The bill would also require federal officials to consult with officials of all potentially affected state or local governments or other Indian tribes before making what is known as their two-part determination with with respect to a proposed Indian casino. In addition, we introduced uh, a measure that state legislatures, as well as the governor, would concur in the two-part determination. Third, enhanced role for state legislatures – I mentioned that just now. The bill would enhance the role of state lawmakers in conjunction with the governor. Fourth, off-reservation casinos would be virtually rendered impossible. Our bill effectively precludes Indian tribes for proposing new casinos on land to which the tribes have little or no connections. It does so by imposing these conditions. First, an Indian casino must be on a single contiguous parcel of Indian lands for a casino. And second, the casino must be within the state in which the tribe is primarily located and on lands which the tribe has its primary, quote, geographical, social, and historical nexus, close quote. Fifth, additional background checks, the bill would clarify that any financial top interests involved in opening an Indian casino operation will be subject to normal background checks, and that National Indian Gaming Commission would approve all top ten financial arrangements and would perform the background checks. Six would require that tribes declare an intent to gamble when initially making an application for land, and that declaration would be bonding in the future. And seventh, would require environmental impact studies uh, to require that the tribe submit a new environmental impact statement to the Secretary of the Interior if the tribe changes the use of its land from non-gambling or general purpose to a gambling purpose. As I said, uh, this I think is a widespread and growing set of concerns in the nation and in the Congress. I thank so many others of my colleagues. Including Senator Voinovich here, Senator Feinstein for joining in this national effort. And I look forward to working with you, Mr. Chairman, you, Mr. Vice Chairman, and this entire committee in developing and refining legislation in this area. And I would urge my colleagues to join us in enacting these sensible, common sense reforms. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you very much. <coughs> Senator Voinovich, welcome.
2: Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, I want to thank you and uh, and uh, uh, Senator Dorgan for having this hearing. And, Mr. Chairman, I appreciate your uh, keeping your word to us when we wanted to amend that legislation that uh, if we backed off from it that you would hold a hearing and you were a man of your word. Thank you very much. Uh, Senator Vitter has done a good job of defining the problem and that it's not just the problem in Ohio or in Louisiana, but it's a problem that we have throughout the United States of America. And I can tell you it's becoming a real problem in my home state of Ohio. Uh, currently, there are over 400 tribal casinos in 30 states. The tribes who run these casinos have seen a substantial financial benefit to their tribes. Last year, the annual revenue of Indian casinos had grown to almost $19.5 billion dollars, With the continued expansion of Indian casinos, that annual revenue will continue to grow. To build on this financial success of tribal casinos, some Native American tribes are aggressively seeking to take gambling off reservations and into local communities across the United States. In this practice commonly referred to as reservation shopping, tribes are looking to acquire new, non-contiguous land to open casinos near large communities or next to major roads with easy access. A loophole in the law that regulates Indian gaming, the Indian Gaming Regulatory Act, allows the Department of Interior to take land into trust for a tribal casino, even at great distances from their home reservation. While some casinos on tribal reservations have been very successful, many reservations are located in rural areas at great distances from population centers. These tribes are looking at lands hundreds of miles away from their reservations and near population centers like Cleveland, Chicago, Miami, and the Bay Area of California. In early 2003, a tribe secretly began courting communities in Ohio with the lure of financial gain from casinos. Mm -hmm. Since then, agreements have been reached between the tribe and four separate mayors in our state to cite casinos and their communities under the pledge that a casino complex would bring new jobs and increase their tax base. All of this has been done without any land claims filed or any determination uh, uh, in terms that uh, that the claims would be successful. Eastern Shawnee and the developers behind their casino plans are so confident that they can pull off their land claim that they are garnering political support uh, for casinos. Last month, the Eastern Shawnee Tribe of Oklahoma filed a land claim in federal court for the rights to 146 square miles of land and hunting rights to 4 million acres of land throughout the state. And to put this in perspective, Mr. Chairman, 146 square miles is almost the size of Cleveland and Cincinnati combined. This claim is against the state of Ohio, 36 counties in the state, and a number of cities and private landowners. As indicated in this article from the Columbus Dispatch, The Eastern Shawnee's lawyer has stated that the tribe will drop the land claim in exchange for the right to put casinos in these communities throughout the state. Mr. Chairman, I ask unanimous consent that this article will be made part of the record. The Eastern Shawnee and the groups financing their efforts in Ohio are clearly blackmailing the state, and they are not even being subtle about it. The reality here is that that they were looking at location and then looking at the legality of bringing a casino after that. By filing this claim, the Eastern Shawnee tribe is exploiting loopholes in existing federal law. The Indian Claims Commission Act of 1946, which was created expressly to resolve land claims against the federal government, required that any claims be filed within five years of enactment. Because the tribe is now precluded from suing the federal government, they're now suing the state. The Eastern Shawnee was successful in pursuing a claim against the federal government in the Indian Claims Commission, in the 1970s, the commission, this was the 1970s, the commission concluded that claims against the government were valid and Congress appropriated funds to pay these claims. Mr. Chairman, I would respectfully request that as you develop legislation in your committee, you consider that tribes are now using land claims against state and local governments as well as private landowners as leverage for casinos. The real goal behind this land claim is to cite casinos, not to seek financial restitution. As you consider this, also consider the need to strengthen IGRA to specifically prohibit tribes from moving across state lines hundreds of miles from their reservations. Clear language such as this would prevent frivolous lawsuits such as the one that we're experiencing now in the state of Ohio. Another loophole the Eastern Shawnee is taking advantage of is the ambiguity of how the provision in the Indian Gaming Regulatory Act, which determines which gambling activities are permitted. As you know, IGRA defines casino-style gambling, casino gambling as Class three, which includes slot machines, blackjack, craps, roulette, some lotteries, and paramutual racing. This class of gambling activity on Indian lands can only be, and I quote, located in a state that permits such gaming for any purpose by any person, organization, or entity. It's unclear whether this means that the statutory language should be read and applied in a class-wide or categorical sense, or whether it should be read and applied on an activity by activity basis. District and circuit federal courts have both considered this question. In 1991, a district court in Wisconsin ruled that if a state permits one type of class three gaming, that all other types of class three gaming can be con- conducted in that state under IGRA. On the other hand, in 93 and 94, the eighth and ninth circuit courts of appeals construed the language of IGRA to mean that class three gaming and a particular state is limited under federal law to the specific activities that are permitted under the state's laws. Earlier this month, the 10th Circuit revealed that these uncertainties continued by finding in favor of the nor- uh, northern Arapaho tribe who wants to build a casino in Wyoming. Gambling is illegal in the state of Wyoming except for social and charitable gambling. In this instance, the tribe contended that it's entitled to offer full casino-style gambling on its reservation because the state allows casino-style activities for social and non-profit purposes. In Ohio, gambling for commercial purposes is prohibited by the state constitution. However, paramutual racing and lottery are both permitted as well as charitable gambling on a very limited and controlled basis. The Eastern Shawnee and the developers they have partnered with recognize this ambiguity in existing federal law. In order to address this loophole, I will be introducing legislation today that clarifies congressional intent that the provision of IGRA permitting Class three gambling only applies on an activity-by-activity basis and not the full uh, gamut of 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 gaming. Mr. Chairman, I respectfully request that you hold a hearing on the questions that are raised by the ambiguity in the law and that you consider my bill as you develop legislation to address the unintended consequences of the Indian Gaming Regulatory Act. Eastern Shawnee already operates a casino on the reservation at the border of Oklahoma and Missouri. Chief Enyard testified before the House Resources Committee earlier this year that their economic potential is limited by the rural character of where the casino and reservation are located. This tribe has been courted by investors with the attraction that they can find dollar signs out of state. Dollar signs that will make, they will make at the de- detriment of my constituents. Ohio is a much larger and more populated state. In fact, the population of Ohio is more than three times the size of the population of Oklahoma. The Eastern Shawnee and the financial backers of their proposals are promising local communities in Ohio that casinos and gamblings will address the economic problems Ohio is facing right now. Mr. Chairman, that is another issue that I encourage you to consider as your committee continues to investigate this issue. Who is actually funding the efforts to bring India casinos off reservation and across state lines? Who are these people? In Ohio, it is well recognized that the Eastern Shawnee efforts are being paid for by a number of, quote, unnamed private investors. And think about that. This is the tribe where these unnamed private investors that are promoting this so that they can benefit uh, substantially from the proceeds that the Indians would garner from locating one of these casinos in a state like Ohio. With private investors such as these, Indian gaming and its consequences have gone far beyond what was originally intended by Congress when IGRA was passed. This has become a gigantic shell game. Instead of righting earlier wrongs against tribes, we are no longer looking at giving tribes the self-sufficiency needed for economic gain, but rather lining the pockets of investors with large sums of money. Mr. Chairman, this issue is ultimately a public policy question. I oppose gambling in all forms, whether commercial or Indian. To me, this is ultimately a question of straight rights one that our founding fathers addressed in the Tenth Amendment. I believe the states should have the authority over whether or not to allow for gambling within their borders. However, in Ohio, we are facing blackmail by Indian tribes and the financial backers who are funding these efforts. Uh, I just want to thank you very much for for doing this. I I think that this proliferation of of uh, Indian casinos around the country is something that we all ought to be very, very uh, concerned about. And, And it goes far beyond anything that was anticipated in terms of rightfully reimbursing these tribes uh, for what was done to them uh, or to fulfill the treaties that they signed that uh, that we did not fulfill. I thank you very much.
0: I well, thank you both for being here, and it's been very helpful, and obviously there's a, some passion associated with this issue, and I thank you for your input, and we look forward to working with you. Bye. Mr. Chairman, let me... Uh to thank both of the uh, witnesses I, I don't have any questions because they have well and uh, and very clearly expressed their interest in this and as you said w- in, with great passion as well. let me ask consent to have Senator Inouye's opening statement put in the record at this point without objection and um, your your comments are very helpful to this committee, and we appreciate very much your
2: being here you.
0: i right. and I would just like to add again as uh one of the uh, Authors of the Indian Gaming Regulatory Act, no, we never anticipated that gaming would turn into as large and widespread involvement uh, as it has. And as you mentioned, Senator Voinovich, one of the decisions of the courts that basically said that full blown gaming can take place if there is charitable gaming taking place. In other words, one Las Vegas night a year then equates to full-blown 24-7 gaming. It was a court decision, and that certainly had a great effect on the proliferation of gaming throughout, uh, throughout America. I thank you both very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.